1: Uh, spectacularly and that you had a wonderful wonderful weekend if you're a New Orleans Saints fan well you got a quarterback and uh, we'll see what he can do but as of right here right now New Orleans Saints have got to be the favorite in the clubhouse for the NFC South as of today Monday March 6th the year 2023 that story and much much more coming your way hoops tourneys um are running abundantly and um baseball in full swing the nba all kinds of stuff to talk about and we shall do so in the next two hours my main man james mesh back in the master control suite Spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons in the game studio, which is on the campus of Delta Media, where KLWB is housed. And that is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ 1041 in Lake. Charles, our hotline, the number 337-706-0111, 706-0111. You can hear us around the world as we are streaming 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber.
0: Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines.
1: Well, they thought he was going to be a New York Jet. Saints wined and dined and did everything they could, and they came up with Derek Carr, who is uh, signing on the dotted line a Four year deal with a hundred million dollars guaranteed. He gets 60 million upon signing, and that's going to kind of help the Saints in their salary cap move. So, um, Derek Carr becomes the Saints starting quarterback wearing number four. 150 million dollars is the four year deal. 100 million in guaranteed money. Um, he gets 70 million in effectively guaranteed money, including 60 million upon signing the contract. According to a report, Carr will be the ninth highest paid quarterback in the NFL at 37.5 million per season. Now, what can he do? Well, we shall see. We shall see. Um, all uh, all trying to help the Saints and their salary cap, all trying to help and get him. So the Saints get Derek Carr instead of the Carolina Panthers, instead of the New York Jets. The Jets are all in on Aaron Rodgers. I think uh, Derek Carr saw the handwriting on the wall, and I think the Saints offer a little bit better situation than Carolina because of his relationship with head coach Dennis Allen. So good deal for him. We'll take you live to Pensacola, where the Raging Cajuns of Bob Marlin are one win away from dancing. Dancing at 6 o'clock tonight, they'll take on South Alabama, a team that they swept in the regular season, including the regular season finale in the Cajun Dome. A very happy as happy as he can be bob marlin about playing south alabama for the third time this year
0: yeah we're we're, we're on the game we were there tonight and all the coaches were there and we'll have a good report uh, when we get back and eat here at the hotel so looking forward to it south we just played them a week ago friday and uh, in, a, in a really good ball game and watching their tape i think they that won maybe eight of nine coming in we talked about and and now they've won a couple more. So, well, they played three. This will be their fourth game, uh, and, you know, we expect a, a game like tonight. I mean, it's going to be an exciting game, and we're looking forward to the competition.
1: South Alabama is Cinderella. They beat number one seed Marshall. They beat a number four seed. They are dance. They, they're just playing with everything to gain and absolutely nothing to lose. The pressure's on the Raging Cajuns, who have, earmarked this entire season to get back to this point, which is where they were a year ago before they lost the conference championship game. The Cajuns um, looking to avenge that. We'll go out to Pensacola. Raymond Parson III is there. He's going to join our show and give us a a report on that. The LSU women's basketball team had a 17-point lead against uh, the Tennessee Lady Volunteers. And then they just got out-toughed. And, and just got beaten, got beaten, 69-67. The Lady Tigers are now 28-2 overall, ranked fifth in the country, and all of a sudden there are more questions than answers about LSU. One of the big determining factors for Tennessee to get back in the game, played a zone, and LSU could not shoot it, and they lost their aggressiveness. They lost their toughness. Kim Mulkey talking about going up against Tennessee's zone.
2: Well, it was very obvious they couldn't guard us in man. We just came out the gate smoking. So they go to a zone. It's not like we haven't seen zone this year. It was almost like we were just tired. No one flashed. No one moved. No one screened the zone. We had no dribble penetration to make two take you. We had no ball reversal. Nothing. We just relied on shot clock winding down, set a pick, jack a shot up. Was that fatigue? I don't know. But, you know, we we attack zones every day in practice. Um, And it affected us. Uh, Their press did not affect us. Their zone affected us. And uh, we'll continue as we prepare for the playoffs to attack zones.
1: They're going to see zones an awful lot. LSU will be either a two seed. They may fall to a three seed in the NCAA tournament. They will play their first two games. If there are two, they will uh, play them at home, either March 17th and 19th or March 18th and the 20th. We'll find out this upcoming Sunday when the NCAA field is revealed. Um, I, what do you gain from LSU baseball taking on Butler, C- Central Connecticut State? You, you gain absolutely nothing other than the fact that it's going to build up your confidence. Um, they open up with a 12 2 win over Butler, then a 26 4 win, then a 13 zip run rule victory over Central Connecticut State, and they'll do it again uh, this evening and their fourth game in four days. So 6 30 uh, and a rematch with the Butler Bulldogs Thatcher sure herd expected to get the start on the mound for LSU. Everything LSU did, everything looked good. They're, they're hitting the ball, they're feeling it, they're pitching it. But the competition is certainly certainly far from um anything. But pitching has been outstanding through the last three games LSU starters have thrown a combined 15 and a third innings allowing just one run on seven hits with 23 strikeouts and only three walks so that very very impressive the 15th ranked LSU softball team has also been very red hot Beth Tarina's Tigers crushed Cal Polly in a 12-4 run rule win thanks to a 10-run fourth inning um, they're twenty and one for the season. They travel to Columbia, South Carolina, to open SEC play against South Carolina this coming Saturday, March the eleventh. So um, things going well along that front. On the football front of things, one day after receiving an LSU offer, defensive end Ahmad Bro of Ruston High committed to LSU, uh, one of the top prospects in Louisiana for the class of 2024. He had been committed to Duke since January, but decommitted and flipped to LSU after a visit with Coach Kelly and company this weekend. He held offers from Ole Miss, Missouri, Tulane, Duke, as well so um it's always good when you can get the homegrown talent so lsu's 24 recruiting class now contains 10 commitments and because of that number they're ranked number two in the nation um so there you go that uh according to 247 Sports. So we shall see. All right, we have a busy, busy day planned for you and yours. We'll head to Pensacola. Uh, Raymond Parsh III will give us a preview of tonight's Sun Belt Conference championship game between the Raging Cajun and South Alabama. Glenn West will join us. We'll talk all things LSU. Shelby Mast in our number two. Shelby's bracket, WAG, will tell us who the number one seed in the country is. A lot of teams gotten beat. Alabama gets beat. Kansas gets beat. Um, We'll see all about that. Al Salas will join us with his thoughts about Derek Carr to the Saints, and then Blake Ruffino from the Are You Serious podcast will join us as well. That's the lineup. We'll take our first time out and then head over I-10 East to Pensacola.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: It's crawfish time in the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has given you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil party. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway. Cook up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Go register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers, of chairs, oh my, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we're throwing in a pair of astro tickets my goodness (laughs) what a giveaway enter now it's the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by saint landry lumber cody's crawfish iron horse sales and service
0: and the game Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: We're back 17 minutes after the hour in a little less than uh, four hours. Uh, The Raging Cajuns will try and come full circle and uh, um, chase away the... Ghosts of a year ago when they got to the conference championship tournament final and lost. Tonight they have a chance to do that, and uh, by beating South Alabama, which will automatically get them into the NCAA tournament. Thrilled to have uh, joining us in Pensacola to cover tonight's game. He hosts the morning show RP3 and Company, Raymond Parsh the Third. Good afternoon, man, and thanks for thanks for helping us out today, my friend. What's up?
3: Glad to help out, brother. Of course, you know, I get a chance to come over here. It's beautiful weather. Get to spend some time in Pensacola and uh, spend all my time inside a basketball arena. But, you know, I can't (laughs) complain, man. I can't complain. It's a great time. Cajuns have a chance to get back to the tournament for the first time since 2014. So it's going to be a heck of a ball game tonight, brother.
1: Uh, they've already swept South Alabama, so a lot of people say it's so hard to beat the team the third time. If you're just the better team, you're the better team, and so far during the tournament, the Cajuns boy, one, they haven't turned the ball over very much, and number two, they've never had to come from behind. They've always been that horse that got away to the to the early lead and just kept on going, so um, I- I'm sure that's part of the plan. You don't turn it over, and if you rebound like you're capable of, I don't know how South Alabama beat you.
3: Well, things got a little dicey last night, right? Where that those turnovers tried to to bite them. And Bob Marlin, the longtime Raging Cajun head coach, talked about it afterwards. You know, they had 13 turnovers in last night's game, and Texas State was able to rally and kind of muddy up the game like they like to do, Jory That's their style of play, and they were able to score 20 points off those 13 turnovers, and that allowed them to come back into the ball game, and make it a single possession game late if it wasn't for Jordan Brown's little kiss off the glass and a couple of free throws by the famous folks, we could be having a different discussion today. So yeah. turnovers are key. What does favor the Cajuns tonight against the Jaguars is that, unlike facing the Bobcats, who are a big physical team, they put a lot of bodies down there, got a lot of guys that like to do the, the dirty work. South Alabama's not that physical of a ball club, Jordy. They prefer to shoot the three ball. They got five yeah. guys on their team that have made 32 three-pointers at least. Owen White's their big sharpshooter, more than 73-pointers. And this is a team that averages eight threes a game. And, look, they've won eight of their last nine. They're one of the hottest teams in the conference. The lone loss, of course, came to the Raging Cajuns. And in that game, they only made four three-pointers. In every other game during that stretch, they've made at least eight, sometimes 10, 13. So, for the Cajuns, Kentrell Garnett, Greg Williams Jr., those are the guys, the perimeter guys. They're going to have to do their job, lock down South Alabama shooters, frustrate them, and make this that type of game they want to play, which is a more physical game, pound the boards, have Jordan Brown, have Terrence Lewis II get those rebounds and get those those points down low.
1: Raymond parse the third with us. Uh, you mentioned how hot uh, South Alabama is. They beat the ninth seed app state in the tournament. Then they came back and shocked Southern miss the number one seed. Then they beat the number four seed uh, James Madison. Uh, so they, they're just playing with house money. As the old cliche goes, they got everything to gain. Absolutely nothing to lose. I think all the pressure is on the Rage cases because they are the higher seed. This is what their season has been geared toward. Um, and so, um, how do you how do you decipher how this team is is feeling and and do they do you sense some pressure on them for tonight?
3: Actually, oddly enough, I don't. I, I was expecting that, but this is a veteran group who's been playing for a couple of years, Jordy, and you yeah. know that's you know very rare in today's basketball and in today's college athletics with the transfer portal. But a lot of these guys, you know, they were here last year when they lost in the title game, and they were here two years earlier when they made the run to the semi. So they've kind of been building towards this, right? They were the preseason team, had the preseason player of the year. The expectations have been this, but when you talk to them, and we've done this for a couple weeks now and did it here in Pensacola at the tournament, they're very confident, not cocky, you know, not false bravado or anything like that. They're just very confident, very businesslike. And I think that stems from Bob Marlin and the type of, you know, what he expects, right, with his team. And he's got a bunch of seniors, he's got a bunch of upperclassmen, and they know they're supposed to win, right? And they know yeah. what it's going to take to win. And they came close last year and fell short, and they know they're going to be taking on a very good South Alabama team that has nothing to lose. So right. they understand that they're going to have to set their game up. What I will say to this is I think, Jordy, and you're a former star college athlete yourself, being tested the way they were last night, where they had a double-digit lead just evaporate in front of them, and it was gut-check time, and their leaders and their veteran guys stepped up and made plays to pull out a hard-fought win, I think that actually helps them heading into tonight's game, I think that kind of sharpens them, refocuses them a little bit with the title on the line tonight.
1: I agree with you. I also agree uh, because I've been in this situation where in a tournament, uh, we, we, we play two games. We're playing our third game in three days and we're playing against a team that's now playing their fourth game in four days. I I think if the Cajuns can put some pressure on them early, get up and down the floor, uh, there's a lot of fatigue does enter into play. The one thing maybe in favor of the Jags, uh, Mobile's only about an hour away from the Pensacola Bay Center, so maybe maybe they'll have a pro Jags crowd tonight.
3: Uh, that's to be expected. When they played Southern Miss, obviously the other team that's you know closest to the Pensacola Bay Center, uh, that was the biggest crowd of the tournament. When yeah. those two teams faced off, South Alabama fans were were came out in a, in a big way. Now look, there's you know some Cajun fans here you know, as well, and they're representing, but not as many as South Alabama. The quick drive from Mobile, go through the tunnel, go over the bay, you're here. Nice. That's going to play a role in this. Um, Make no mistake about it. And, you know, that could give the Jags a bit of a, you know, a boost, so to speak, especially if there's a lull in the game and they need it. But, yeah, the attendance, uh, South Alabama came, uh, came out and represented Southern Miss did. Unfortunately, they got bounced early, and Marshall, Probably had more fans than any other team, and they, of course, got eliminated early as well. So, it really? should be a very pro South Alabama crowd tonight inside the Bay center.
1: Jordan Brown has to get his numbers. Who else is key for for uh, the Raging Cajun tonight that has to to put up numbers and and contribute in that fashion?
3: Oh, that's easy for me. It, it, it's it's Terrence Lewis II. He's okay. Jordy. Look, he's not the biggest guy, the strongest guy, the fastest guy. But he is a basketball player. He does all the little things Bob Marlin needs. So when that team needs a key rebound, he's the one that gets it. When they need a key pass, he's the one that gets it. Key defensive stop, he gets it. He does all the little things. He flies under the radar. You could argue he's been the best Cajuns player in the previous two games here at the tournament. Even though Jordan Brown gets all the headlines, and rightfully so. Right. you know He's an NBA draft prospect and the preseason player of the year. Terrence Lewis the second. If he can get near his double-double, 12 points, 8, 9, 10 rebounds, I think that's going to set them up great. I would also say kind of a another option, Kentrell Garnett. You know, He uh, can shoot the three ball. He is able to do that, and I think they're going to need him to do that. Plus, he is a great perimeter defender. He locked up Texas State's three-point shooting specialist, held him to zero points in the first half last night. He's going to need another fine performance like that. Good two-way player for Bob Marlin's team. So those would be the two guys that really stand out to me that need to step up and help out Jordan Brown tonight if they want to win. Well,
1: what do you think this would a win tonight would mean for Bob Marlin?
3: It would prove all the naysayers wrong. And 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 look, and I like Bob, and I think he's done a very nice job there. He wins consistently. Mm -hmm. Um. But it's been a while since they've been to the NCAA tournament, right? It's been nine years. Yeah. 2014 was a long time ago when Elfer Payton suited up for the Raging And So I think it would prove that, you know, he is doing it the right way, that his way is working. And plus he finally gets that other elusive NCAA tournament appearance. You know, he had a couple at Sam Houston State.
0: That's but right. It's a different
3: majority when you're in the Southland Conference compared to the Sun Belt. So I think it would be validation. <laughs> I think it would be another feather in his cap. And I think a lot of the naysayers would have to be quiet if he takes this team to the tournament for a second time. And
1: to be perfectly honest, I was one of those naysayers and I would be thrilled for him to win it and get into the tournament. That would be fantastic. Vegas thinks it's going to be a close game. Cajuns favored by a point and a half. Uh, That kind of surprises me.
3: No, you know, look, it boils down to South Alabama being the hottest team in the conference. Yeah. So they've won eight and nine. There hasn't been a team that's played better basketball, and their lone loss just happens to be to the Raging Cajuns. So right. I do right. think this is a coin flip game, Jordy. But I, look, I agree with you. They have the advantage. The Cajuns do down low in the post. You know, big right. fellas and big boy basketball still matters. I know it's a guard game now, but when you have that advantage, you take it. You know, you seize it. I think they have that. And if they can just play good defense on South Alabama's three-point shooters, I think they're going to do enough to get the win and get to the conference, uh, win the conference tournament for the first time since 2014.
1: Do not be coming back to Lafayette with a big suntan or a sunburn because then we're all going to know. So you better you better put some makeup on just in case.
3: <laughs> just yeah, in I case. appreciate that, brother. Thank you for that tip, my friend.
1: I'll tell you all about it, man. RP, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. Enjoy your time down there. We're all pulling for the Cajuns. Tell Bob uh, good luck, and um, we'll do it again soon. Maybe, maybe after a win, we'll get you back on. We'll see. we
3: Will do, brother.
1: Thank you, man. That's Raymond Parsh Third in Pensacola for tonight's Sun Belt Conference championship tournament matchup between the raging Cajuns and South Alabama to the winner. A ticket to the NCAA tournament. How sweet it would be. We appreciate that, RP3. We'll take a time out here when we come back. LSU baseball, softball, men's basketball, women's basketball. A lot to talk about with Glenn West next.
0: This is the Jordy Holdberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: We are brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, dude, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon is in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. By DC's Little Capital Exxon, everything under the sun inside there shop a court and a, and alongside a true soul food deli home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted and by cajun chef oh turn up the taste with cajun chef hot sauce
0: every day is a chamber of commerce kind of day when you're listening to the jordy holberg show this is the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles your hall for the lsu tigers and houston astros in southwest louisiana
1: Thirty-three minutes after the hour, it's a Monday. We welcome in our
0: one of our favorite guests
1: because he talks all things LSU. Go two four sevens, Glenn West. Hello, Mr. West. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Jordy. How are you? Terrific. Where do we start? We got so much we can talk about, so many avenues we can go down. Basketball was not good for men and women. Baseball, well, let's start with that. Men lead by 12, 15 or so minutes to go and they can't throw the ball in the ocean and another road loss to go winless on the road in SEC play. Sum it up for me.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, really, just a tale of two halves there for LSU. I mean, for most of the first half, they were, um, you know, executing offensively. They were getting to the rim with pretty much with, with ease and getting to the free throw line, um, you know, really scoring the ball at a high level and, and and even got up by as many as 12 in that game. Um, and, you know, then they just fell apart. Um, you know, uh, what what they did essentially was they, they went to a full court press and LSU just had no response to Florida's full court press. They broke it a couple times. They missed a couple easy bunnies, um, you know, right around the rim. Um, And then, you know, Florida used that momentum, and they absolutely got red hot in the last, you know, 15 minutes of that game. They scored 47 points over the final 14 or 15 minutes of that game Mm -hmm. um, and really just, uh, you know, was a mismatch for for LSU the rest of the way. They just couldn't score the ball, couldn't get into their sets on the half court, and couldn't get K.J. Williams involved because he was in foul trouble for most of the second half. Um, So, I mean, it's just – you know, it's kind of what this team has been. They've been a turnover-prone team that can't score. And when they really get into the thick of it down the stretch, you just can't rely on them to, to get it done. Uh, they open up Southeastern Conference
1: play in the in unglorious Wednesday night doubleheader that nobody cares about. Nobody wants to. But they play against Georgia. I mean, certainly a winnable game. And if they win that, they play against Vanderbilt. and That's a team they beat. Earlier in the season. So, I mean, it's not without possibilities, right? It's not without.
4: Yeah, I mean, you're looking for some, you know, momentum here, all right? I mean, you you get a couple wins in the tournament. You might feel a little bit better about yourself heading out of the season. Um, I don't think anybody is naive enough to think LSU is going to go all the way (laughs) through this thing uh, and and make the tournament appearance. But, um, you know, if you you get a good win against Georgia, I mean, the one thing that Georgia does really well is get to the rim, get to the foul line. Uh, If you're able to protect the rim. Um, you know, keep them off the foul line, I think that gives you a really good chance, um you know, to, to hang with them. And, you know, they, they played them earlier this year and they had, you know, they had a chance to win that game and they just, they couldn't pull it out. Um Now you get them in a neutral site and I I, I think LSU has a shot in this one. Yeah. Then, like yeah. you said, you, you go to the Vanderbilt game, you might have a chance against those guys. You've, you've seen them a couple times now. So um yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, yeah. I, I think, Yeah, you can't really expect much from this team, but if they get hot at the right time, anybody can win a couple of games in tournament.
1: Just go down with a fight. That's all, right? Go down swinging, man, plain and simple. Uh, So they had a double-digit lead, and they they lost that one. The LSU women had a 17-point lead, and I don't know what happened coming out of half. It looked like a completely different team, and once that momentum shifted, Tennessee was tougher more physical more aggressive uh and then they put it to lsu that surprised me a lot to be honest with you
4: yeah i mean they got lsu kind of on their toes there in the second half i think lsu for a lot of that you know second half was playing not to lose the lead uh and that kind of forces you to be maybe a little conservative maybe a little sloppy um you certainly saw it with some of the turnovers they had in the second half um so yeah, it was you know it was disappointing. I think you really would have liked to see that South Carolina rematch uh, if you were LSU, just to kind of get some more data on them. Uh, if you were to somehow you know make it far enough to face them again in the NCAA tournament, but um, you know you, you lose to a, a pretty good Tennessee team. You know I'm not going to call them you know a great team no. or anything. They're they're All pretty right. good. Um, you know your two losses are to Tennessee and to South Carolina. Those are two tournament teams. Um, i I still think lSU has a case for the two seed I mean they dropped to number nine in the AP poll which just by the math would put it's them ridiculous. in a three seed kind of yeah. thing but uh, i I think two seed is a good good mark for them and it's proven from last year you were three seed last year you're two seed this year with only a couple losses um I think it's a good position for them to be in yeah um I don't just
1: I think they have a lot of question marks now. I I think they got to do a little bit of soul searching and, um, they're going to have to step up their game significantly now, but they'll host two games. Um, during the St. Patrick's Day weekend type of a deal. So we'll we'll see what happens there. So um, basketball, two losses. Okay. You gather anything from baseball other than the fact that it's like ducks in a water and they can't fly and you got open target season and Butler and central Connecticut state aren't good, but you're putting up, huge numbers you still got to pitch it and catch it right and, yeah. and they're doing that and they're, they're bombing the ball out of the park so what do you take so far with one game still to play this evening
4: yeah i mean uh, a really impressive uh offensive slate from lsu i think they finally are starting to get the bats going at the right time um you know that you 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 want to be able to to hit on these teams right now, you know, Central Connecticut State and Butler, you want to be able to put up those double-digit runs and prove that you can, you know, find a, 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 you know, a little bit momentum with some confidence at the plate. I think LSU certainly this year came in with, you know expectations of being kind of the the ones that can could you know belt 30 home runs every weekend that kind of thing, but uh, you know it just takes time and they've been pretty patient at the plate. They, their approach has been really good, um, and I think you're finally starting to see some of that pay off. They're taking advantage of other teams' mistakes, which is really important for this team really all season. Jay Johnson says that you know that in terms of walks and free bases that they're giving, they're they're the best team in the country so far, and it's not even close. Close at making those opponents pay for those mistakes so that's a really positive development
1: brayden Jobar,
4: bar joe starting started the last three games at third base
1: um yeah. you, he's good defensively <laughs> and that that lets you keep uh tommy white in the lineup as a dh so you get some power there so is that you think that's the way this thing is trending
4: yeah, I mean, I think for the short term, sure. Uh, you got Trey Morgan out in left field. So, um, you know, I think once White is able to throw, they're going to immediately throw him back at third base. That okay. was kind of a under the table conversation they had. And that, that was agreed upon when he came here that he would get a chance to play uh, in the infield and prove that he could do that. And okay. um, so we're going to see that when it, when he's back. Um, but Joe Bear has been really solid defensively, to your point. He dropped a lot of weight in the offseason. He's a little quicker, a little faster uh, to make those defensive plays. Trey Morgan's looked pretty good out in left field the last couple games. Okay. Um, My question right now is what happens with first base because Jared Jones, the freshman, has kind of hit a little bit of a wall. He struck out a bunch of times in the last couple games, and uh, Cade Beloso, who's been a veteran uh, guy there, he's a fan favorite for the last three or four years he he had two uh, pinch hit opportunities and he went home run home run in back to back days. So <laughs> you could tell he was just chomping at the bit to get into the lineup a little bit. Wouldn't be surprised if LSU throws a spot start to him uh, at first base in the next couple of games. So um, you know I think that's probably where you're going to see a little bit more movement is at first if there, if anything.
1: Trey Morgan, really good fielder at first, right? Um, yeah, you said just a minute ago he looked good out there in in, in the outfield i mean that that's got to add with his versatility when the,
4: the the major league baseball scouts are looking at him where's he best suited do you think yeah i mean look i he it's it's hard for me looking at it from a college eye view that you know, what, what he does at first base is really spectacular. I mean, he makes uh, everybody in the infield's job easier at first because um, of the outs he, he makes and, and saves, you know, errors from other guys. Right. Um, and you can tell it's a little bit of – it was a little bit of an adjustment for him uh, in terms of, you know, being able to see the ball in the outfield, make the play, make the right read. Um, that, that's all stuff that takes time to learn as, a, as an outfielder. And Me? you can tell it took him a couple games – he seems to be getting the hang of it a little bit. I'm not sure if that means it's his long term future. It very well could be. You know, he could get into the pros, and they say, "All right, go play left field, go play right field." Um, but you know, I think he, you know, he's he's very well suited for the outfield. He's very quick. He's very fast. And when he gets that opportunity uh, to maybe be an everyday kind of outfielder, you'll really see those playmaking uh, abilities jump out. But at LSU, he's best suited at
1: first base. Does that mean there's a hole out there in the outfield that hasn't been resolved yet?
4: Well, no. I think I think probably what you'd look at is when White gets back, he'd move. Trey back to first, and then you could put Joe Bear back in the outfield where he played most of the start of the season. So, you know, you don't really lose anything. I think right now they're just shuffling pieces around because of that Tommy White injury. But
1: um,
4: when when everybody's healthy, I think you'll see a lot of Joe Bear in the outfield because he has made improvements in his athleticism to be able to play out there. Um, And then you'll have, you know, Morgan back at first and and Tommy White at third. Do you feel like every position's now – called for infield second short and all that is I think so I think Gavin Dugas has a pretty good stranglehold on second base right now Jordan Thompson's been very good at shortstop um yeah I would say probably the one that they're still kind of looking for is that third outfield spot you know they've had Paxton Kling out there uh the the red hot trash true freshman who's played really well the last couple games uh Josh Pearson's been out there. He's a he's a guy that's been around now a couple of years. And then Joe Bear is a guy that I think they're gonna really recycle a lot in the outfield, whether it's in right or in left field. Um, but that that's pretty much the the one spot where I think that's still pretty much up for grabs when everybody's healthy. Catching? Br- Brady Neal is gonna be the catcher. He's been the catcher pretty much every game uh, so far. Okay. Really like what they really like what they've, you know, what he's done so far in terms of his defensive abilities, a lot further along than I thought that he probably would be as a true freshman, but he's, he's a really good catcher and he's going to play a lot of games.
1: And one final one. Uh, well, um, we know Skeens is going to be the Friday night guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Has, has the Saturday, Sunday been determined yet? I know Thatcher hurts, supposed to start tonight against Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine that Saturday, Sunday still up for grabs. Maybe.
4: Yeah, I, definitely on Saturday. So Saturday they threw Ty Floyd instead of Riley Cooper, the lefty. He 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 got the start on Saturday. Chase Shores, the freshman, got the start on Sunday. So. Skeens on Friday and Shores on Sunday has been a very consistent theme uh, through the first three weeks of the season. Saturday is still, I think, very much up in the air uh, whether it's Ty Floyd, whether it's Riley Cooper, whether Thatcher Hurd uh, can really make a statement in these next couple of starts. Uh, he played really well against Texas. Um, you know, if he has another really good game today, maybe you think about throwing him into the weekend rotation. Um, so yeah, I, I think everything's on the table right now, but. Certainly what you got with Skeens, uh, he's gonna he's gonna make he's gonna have you win a lot of games and, and put you in really good positions heading into the weekend. He
1: looks like he's the best picture LSU's had on a Friday in in, in several years.
4: Yeah. I mean, look, he's right up there with the langs of the world, Ronaldo, wow. Ben McDonald way back in the day. Um, yeah, he's he's a special player I and mean, he he strikes out a lot of guys. He's got a fastball slider, change up uh combination that's really, really deadly when it's on fire got a bunch of home games coming up. You got
1: um Butler tonight, Lamar Wednesday, and then you got Friday through Sunday against Samford. Uh mm-hmm. Tuesday the 14th versus UNO. Then they go on the road to take on the Aggies. I don't know how good the Aggies are this year and I have no idea, but we're fixing to find out. Um you got you Lamar. got a couple week's left, right, before you have to solidify who's going to be there and uh so it's a it's an open call, right? Who he who performs best
4: will play. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, that, that baseball is doing a really you know, great job right now in terms of trying out a number of different guys in a number of different positions. And uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch baseball. We got fall camp or uh, spring camp starting up with LSU football yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we'll get a first chance to talk with Coach Kelly on Thursday, but that'll be a lot of fun as well. Coach Kelly's all for the Alabama Ole
1: Miss Texas in mm-hmm. nine game schedule. He said, that's why I came here. I want to play. He, he was so honest. He said, no offense, but all those other teams that we have to play, they don't excite me. Let's get yeah. a conference. Game. I like that.
4: Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's a guy that knows that he can win, I think at this level. And they they kind of proved it last year in stretches that they can be a really good program moving forward. Um, and yeah, I, I, I always really liked the idea of Alabama, Ole Miss, a and I always had a trouble, you know, struggle getting rid of Florida just because I think Florida's been the most consistent, you know, rival over the last 10, 15 years in terms yeah. of how close those games are. Um, but the way AM's played in recent years, uh, I think that's going to be a true rival for LSU kind of moving forward here. And I like that three-game schedule as the permanent guys. You can tell the fan in me. I'm mm-hmm. for ten
1: game SEC schedule. One cupcake, one good, a power five out of conference, and let's play the playoffs. Is expanding, it's not like you, you lose one game and you're out of it now. Right. So let's bring on the better games. And I, I don't want to see. No offense, I don't want to see uh, whoever. I don't want to see them. I don't, see I you don't see like them.
4: the New Mexico State game no, or the I Utah State. I hate or... that. Okay. I'm
1: all for. I'm all for one game against an in-state opponent sure help them out monetarily and then give me give me a florida state give me uh yeah. a, a clemson give me a usc that's what i want that's what the yeah. fans, and i'm telling you that's what the players want
4: they do yeah and it's a good opportunity to be you know just get on tv a lot and you know, I know a lot of these players really like the idea of, of, of playing in this conference for a reason. They, they, that's the reason they come to a school like
0: LSU right. is to play that's those right. other
4: schools. So just, just make me the
1: commissioner for one week. Go for it. I'll get, you uh, know, things. I'll get you the best seat in the, uh, in the press box. How about that?
4: Oh, all right. Well, we'll, we'll have to talk with Bonnet about that, but okay.
1: <laughs> oh, I, all right. I'm
4: in tight with that. It.
1: All right. Um, <laughs> We'll see what happens on the basketball front. I have nothing to say about baseball. They're supposed to win. They win, and when you score that many, were, oh my God! Did they do any ten-run rules in these, or they just play nine? So innings? They had
4: so yeah. They had ten-run rules in each of the previous two games. They outscored Central Connecticut State thirty-nine to four uh, in those two games on Saturday and Sunday, and those only went seven innings. So Thank goodness, right? So yeah. It was, it was still a nearly three-hour game in only uh, seven innings because of how much they were scoring. How many runs they scored. Yeah, Whatever. crazy. Glenn West, go to 4-7 Sports. You're the best.
1: I cannot thank you enough, man. Enjoy your week. All right, you too. Thanks, Jordy. Take care. Um, when we return, we'll wrap up our number one, set the stage for our lineup
0: for our number two after this. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: We're here at The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Hope you love our shenanigans on and off the air. We want to help. Uh, want you to help us. So go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana and turn that bell on so you can get notifications when we post our new content and game recaps. Help us get to 1,000 followers and see more of our fun behind the scenes and after work mischief. Who's doing all that? Who's doing that in the mischief at The Game Louisiana on YouTube?
0: Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question.
5: Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that
1: one,
0: Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, boss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Better than ever. Hour two of two. Well, no, not 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 hour two yet. Closing up our number one. Um, lots in store for you in hour number two. Uh, we'll go over our latest bracket. Uh, Who's going to be the number one seed overall? Alabama gets beat. Kansas gets beat. Houston, eh, maybe not the toughest schedule out there, but um, we'll sign. We'll find out with Shelby Mass from Shelby's Bracket WAG, our Bracketologist, as March Madness is in full effect. Uh, The um, the Cajuns, of course, trying to get into the NCAA tournament to do so. They have to beat South Alabama tonight for the third time this season. Uh, That's a 6 o'clock tip in Pensacola so that that'll be exciting uh that'll be exciting to see um the big news of the day uh Derek Carr signing with the New Orleans Saints so many people thought he was waiting and waiting on the New York Jets to offer well the Jets never really did he met with the Carolina Panthers but the Saints showed him the most love and I guess his relationship with Dennis Allen was the uh, convincing part that and the fact that he's got uh 60 million dollars when he signs on the dotted line guaranteed 100 million overall guaranteed a four-year deal at 150 million he's going to be about the eighth highest paid quarterback in football which i think is kind of fair kind of fair um i don't think he's a great quarterback i think he's certainly a good quarterback certainly the best quarterback since drew Brees that the saints have had now, can they get him the weapons? Can they can they finagle some things? They got to strike it. Where, they got to strike it really well uh, in the upcoming NFL draft. They got to get some impactful players. There's no question about that. We'll talk with Al Salas about that, and then Blake Rafino will join us um, from the RU Serious Podcast, and we'll talk all things uh, LSU sports. So it's a great time of the year with um, March Madness right around the corner. Uh, these conference tournament games, so much fun. So much fun. And of course the Pelicans trying to trying to keep their hopes alive. Um because they've got uh they've got the Sacramento Kings tonight and that's not an easy task by any stretch of the imagination. And if you look at the standings as we speak of here and now today in the Western Conference, the Pels have moved up a spot to ninth. They're a half a game ahead of the Utah Jazz and a half a game ahead of the hard-charging L.A. Lakers. Sacramento's still the number three seed at 37 up and 26 down. Our number one's in the books. Our number two straight ahead after the top of the hour sports update this is the jordy healthberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles
0: live and local this is the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station open for the end zone it's a saints touchdown it's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg.
1: It's our number two of two, and away we go on a Monday, March 6th, the year 2023. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios. Well, you can catch us on 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com dot com. And uh, if you're in the Acadiana area, we are also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. So turn your television sets on. It's a great time of the year. Championship week is upon us. Raging Cajuns, of course, tonight playing South Alabama for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament Championship. And, man, Kansas gets beat. Uh, Alabama gets beat. Uh, It's it's crazy. So who's the number one overall seed? How many SEC teams are in this thing? There's only one person that can tell us all that and much, much more. He is the bracketologist for CollegeInsider.com and 103.7 and 104.1 FM in Lafayette and Lake Charles, the one and only with his bracket WAG, Mr. Shelby Mast. Shelby, is this thing driving you crazy, man? How are you doing?
2: Uh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's almost <laughs> over for, for me be be uh, working on it. I get to be a fan next week.
1: Amen. Amen. You take your fandom. Who, by the way, I've never asked you this. Who is your favorite team out there? Do you have a favorite?
2: I've got two that I really pull foremost, Duke and Texas. Duke and Texas. Okay.
1: Well, that says a lot about you, Shelby. It's been nice knowing you. We'll talk to you. Never. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, okay. I mentioned Alabama gets beat. Kansas gets beat. A lot of people are saying, even though Kansas got beat, they're the number one overall seed in the tournament. How can
3: that be?
2: They have got by far the most wins in quad one, and the committee stresses that year after year since they've gone to the quad system that they want to see stellar results, and Kansas has a resume like no other.
1: Although – that may be one person's uh, value. Uh, Shelby You still got Alabama number one uh, as the overall seed, despite the loss uh, on the road, right? To a very good Texas A&M club.
2: Yeah. The A&M is playing much better. It was their senior night. I don't put a whole lot of stock in road games in the last game of the year because it's so emotional. Those seniors want to go yeah. out with a win and, you know, Alabama is a team that took the
1: brunt of it. All right. So Alabama, Kansas, Houston, and Purdue on your one seed line. Um, is there a team that could supplant uh, one of those teams that you that you value? How secure are you, in other words, with your number one seed line?
2: With three of them, Alabama, Kansas, and Houston, I would say 95% I'm secure. Purdue, probably about 60%. UCLA okay. and Texas are nipping at their heels. And if, they, if Purdue loses early in their tournament and neither of the other two go on and win theirs, I can see a case being made for a new number one.
1: UCLA, veteran club, man. And you know nothing to sleep on at 27-4. and 4, But a lot of people weren't really mentioning them for quite a while. I think they're mentioning them now, don't you?
2: Yeah, I think they are. The main drawback for UCLA, which isn't necessarily their fault, but they don't have any marquee wins. So they didn't have to beat Arizona. But they, going into that game, their best win was at Maryland, which hmm. is a nice win, but it doesn't make you jump up and down. The conference yeah. was not up to par, and so they had a lot of low quad wins. And on paper, they didn't seem as impressive as some of the other schools out there.
1: What's your value on Tennessee? You have them as a three seed at 22 and nine. Um, A lot of people would say "Mm, nine losses. You got you got other teams like Virginia with only six losses. Um, St. Mary's, et cetera, et cetera. What's your what's your faith in Tennessee?
2: Well, I don't really have any, but I've got them up there on the three lines, as the committee did two weeks ago, and their metric numbers are outstanding. They're, they're up there, you know, measure out to a one seed. We know they're not that. They've got an injury issue, and they have struggled lately. Uh, we don't have enough games played without uh, Ziegler to know what they really look like. Uh And so that could end up hurting them a possible seed line.
1: Um, I think it's a surprise. The SEC's played their way into this tournament. You've got eight SEC teams in this thing. And earlier on, a lot of people were saying, man, maybe five. Uh, But the league, uh, through playing against one another, some of these teams have stepped up, haven't they?
2: Yeah, middle-of-the-pack teams have really risen and played well and you've got some lower end teams that have been playing well that have helped boost the upper part of the, the conference. We still got Vandy out there that is absolutely still alive for a, a maybe a play in game, but they're alive uh-huh. to get in the bracket as an at large.
1: What does a Vandy have to do now? How many wins do you think they have to get uh, in the tournament? They'll play uh, LSU plays Georgia in the Wednesday night SEC second game of the opening frame. The winner of that one plays Vandy. How many games does Vandy need to win in this tournament to secure a possible play in? Cause you've got them now as your first four
2: out. Well, I hate to say they might have to win the tournament, but. The committee is usually done bracketing or having teams in the tournament by Saturday morning. So, if no. they're in a Saturday afternoon game and win and get to the finals, we could see a situation like AM last year, who got to the finals and deserved the spot, but by then the bracket was already done, so it's too late. So, huh. you know, they'll have conting- contingency brackets in case Vandy were to win, but I just wonder if they would keep them out.
1: If they got to the final, wow! Um, Bob Marlin's uh, Ragin' Cajuns from uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, um, playing for the Sun Belt Conference Championship tonight against South Alabama. The winner gets the automatic bid. Where does the Sun Belt Conference champion? What seed line do they get? Uh,
2: if it's Louisiana, they're probably going to get a fourteen seed. South Alabama, maybe a fifteen. seed. South Alabama's been playing really good. I think yeah. I they've won sixteen in a row, so they're on a roll. Uh but Louisiana's a good club too. I you know, we'll see what happens. You know that both teams are gonna be nervous in that game. The nerves will be a big part.
1: Yeah. They 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 have won sixty. Not to correct you, but Louisiana beat them in the last game of the regular season in Lafayette. So I think they've won eight of their last nine, something like that. And they beat the number one seed in Southern Miss uh, in the tournament. So yeah, nobody's playing better than they are. Uh, but um, Bob Marlin's club is pretty good too, with 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 a lot of size uh, in this thing. Um, I, you know, Missouri's moving up. I've been very very high uh, high on them. Arkansas, um, I I still can't figure out uh, what they are. They, they they've got so many great athletes. Again, I think you get these teams out of conference and you get them in an open bracket tournament. I'm telling you, Arkansas is a team I wouldn't want to play.
2: Yeah, you don't know what which team you're going to get. Uh, yeah. They're all healthy, and and the athletes they've got athletes. You're right of that, and high NBA prospects so if right. they're all the way you definitely don't want to play them but they it seems like they're getting their own way sometimes they got so much yeah. talent they don't know who's going to lead the team
1: come on Shelby Mass give me a Cinderella this year in this tournament is, is it an FAU at 28 and 3 is it a Charleston who's 29 and 3 is it a is it a Furman is it Rick Patino's Iona 24 and 7 club
2: If I had to put money on one of those, FAU. They're they're a very good team. Even though they haven't played the same schedule as others, they are a very formidable team, and they're going to be a tough out. Nobody wants to play them.
1: Is the big big, uh, Goliath from Purdue the, the player of the year this year, or is there somebody else close by?
2: I think he probably is. He's been leading it pretty much all year, and I don't think anybody else has. Taken over games as many games as he has.
1: Uh, Shelby Mass, Shelby's bracket WAG Baylor. You got on the two seed, um, along with Texas from the from the Big 12. Baylor's 22 and nine. What stands out to you about uh, Coach Drew's club this year?
2: Uh, guard play, okay. their guards are phenomenal, they can interchange them, they've got three studs back in the backcourt. One of them is a freshman that could end up hurting them, being so young. But he hasn't looked like a freshman this year.
1: All right, you, you're a self-proclaimed Duke fan. The job John Shire's done. They're 23 and eight. They were undefeated at home this year. Coach K didn't do that very often, um, if ever. Um, what do you think of the job he's done? And what kind of what kind of sh- Share do you give them to to get down to a final four possibility?
2: I don't think that's going to be one of my picks. Probably to lose in the first round. I oh. like Duke. There's no doubt about that. I'm disappointed in them this year, not because of coaching, but because they had the all star recruits come in, best recruiting class, the number one, two, and seven guys, and number one and two have not lived up to. Uh, the hype. I know they've been injured and they've dealt with that. They seem to be healthy, but they're not go-to guys like they should be.
1: Okay. It's always good for college basketball when UCLA, Indiana, Kentucky, those, those blue bloods are good and they're good. This year should be a remarkable tournament. Um, uh, If, if, I had to push comes to shove. Who's going to be, when it all, when the, when the dust settles, who's going to be the number one seed in the tournament this year?
2: Uh, I think it'll end up being Kansas. I think they're going to win the tournament, and I think Bama's going to slip up to somebody. I don't know who yet. But okay. Bama had not looked at it in the past few weeks, and I think off-court issues are going to come back and mm-hmm. bite them.
1: You're the best. Shelby Mass, we'll do it uh, one more time, my guy. Uh, but stay stay tuned for us, okay? All right. Thank you much. You got it. Thank you so much, Shelby. I greatly appreciate it. Shelby Mast. Shelby's bracket WAG. The big story locally and around the country today. Derek Carr to the New Orleans Saints. That story with Al Salas next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: The Monster Trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome. The Toughest Monster Truck Tour returns March 17th and 18th. And the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, has a VIP package to the Toughest Monster Truck Tour. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com. A VIP package includes four tickets, access to the pit area, a merchandise certificate, and lunch with the truck drivers on that Friday. The Toughest must Monster Truck Tour is coming back, and you could win a VIP package courtesy of the game southwest louisiana sports station
0: jordy holtberg is known far and wide as the blonde bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at lsu the hair may not be as golden or as long but jordy is still making a name for himself Back to more of the Jordy Holberg show on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we're
1: back 19 minutes after the hour. If you have one, you got a shot. If you don't, you got absolutely no shot. So the Saints went a rolling and they got the guy they think that can help them get back to the playoffs and beyond in Derek Carr. Al Salas is our... New Orleans Saints, an NFL expert. He's kind enough to join us on the the day that the Saints agreed to a deal with Derek Carr, $150 million, of which $100 million is guaranteed, an average payout of $37.5 million. Why did my parents tell me, be a basketball player, not be a quarterback? Al, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? <laughs> I feel
5: the same way, Jordan. Good afternoon you uh-huh. guys. It's a, it's a great day uh-huh. to be as a Saints fan today.
1: All right, so what do you think? When you heard the news, were you surprised? Were, I mean, this thing kind of changed in the uh, in a New York second, pardon the pun, because I thought maybe the Jets were going to be the team where he ended up going, but no, he went from New York to New Orleans. I'm glad, but what are your thoughts?
5: Uh, right, Jordan, I think it's real interesting when you think about just how quickly it looks like all those came together for the Saints, and according to all the sources, you know, reports, Schefter, and Parasilla, they're all saying the Saints were the lead team all the way through. Uh, obviously, this is a team that was very serious about Derek Carr being their franchise quarterback. There are reports that New Orleans views Carr as a long term answer for this team. Uh, he's a top 15 quarterback in the NFL for sure, and I think instantly right now, Derek Carr brings the Saints a playoff team, the roster the way it is in this division, and. Uh, you know, right now in a relatively open NFC where you look at the NFC, you know, the, the picture right now, the Eagles have a bunch of guys, you can better to be free agents. You know, Jalen Hurts come up a spectacular season, but he's got to do it again, it looks like. And uh, uh, look, things get interesting here. They have a solid free agent class with Derek Carr. You know, maybe you look at how things worked for Stafford in L.A., where he went from Detroit to L.A., you know, instantly became a... Yeah, a Super Bowl team. So it's not out of that realm to think that. But I think Derek Carr instantly makes the Saints better 100%, probably than the last two years.
1: With every addition, there's got to be a subtraction. And because of that salary cap, they've restructured some deals here. I mean, you know, Michael Thomas tweets out, Thank you, God. Like, I, I want this guy to throw to me. Um but you got to do some wheeling and deal. You got to you got to make some cuts, right? So where do the Saints go now?
5: Right. So right right now, as the way it sits, the Saints are roughly a little at twenty four ish over the cap right now. That is factoring in Derek Carr's knee deal uh, this year. So obviously they could save about ten million or so by restructuring Marshawn Lattimore, another ten million by restructuring Cam Jordan, and then another seven if they work with Allen Camaro on his deal. Uh, if they reassigned David Onimata, it actually lowered his cap hit this year, which would help the cap as well. Uh, and obviously, you mentioned it, Jordy, I think Michael Thomas, that is now, that's a thing now. I think if, if you're Derek Carr and you're, if you were talking to the Saints throughout this process, Derek Carr had to ask the Saints, well, if I'm going to come to New Orleans, what's going to happen to Michael Thomas? Because we know the caliber of player he is when he's healthy. Obviously, you know, the injuries have been a concern the last couple of years. But if he can rework his contract towards a more incentive-based deal, where Mike Thomas can, you know, prove to NFL and prove to everybody he still is that guy, um, and stay in New Orleans with Derek Carr, who I think for, you know, was the best-case scenario for this team this offseason. I think now you get a top-15 quarterback and a. I think Michael Thomas certainly <laughs> tweeted out "Thank You Jesus" at that time for that exact reason. So. Yeah. yeah, you structure a couple of guys on defense, you work with Mike Tom, see what you can do, and you're well under the cap uh,
0: to add pieces.
1: So now now you get your quarterback, so that takes away your, your thought process, or how how much does that change your thought process with the upcoming NFL draft?
5: All right, so it's certainly interesting because the Saints pick at 40, uh, 41, I believe I'm correct, off the top of my head. Um, Hennon Hooker is a guy who... Saints have liked. They've done thorough work on throughout this process so far. Uh, you know, with, with Hooker coming off the ACL, he's coming out and said he's ready to go for training camp. But if the Saints want to take Hannon Hooker, uh, you know, he's not going to play week one. So you can, you can rest him, let him get up to speed, and sit and learn from Derek Carr if you want her to go that route. Obviously, I think with the way Derek's car contract is set up, and I believe Mickey uh, Mickey Loomis, the, GM, the general manager, came out and said today that you know they worked this deal to have a low cap hit this year because the Saints want to put together a good roster with Derek Carr this first year to try and go all the way again. So it's it's Mickey and Kai Harley doing their work with the cap. Um, so it, it, now it allows you to take the best player available at 29 and at 41 to help build you a contender this year, but. I wouldn't be opposed to the team going the the, the hooker route to have a young quarterback that can develop and see what they have.
1: What does the Saints' offense look like with Derek Carr at quarterback
0: to you?
5: Well, I think it's a great question because uh, Derek Carr, you know, mentioned uh, uh, Nick Underhill in his article for NewOrleansFootball.com mentioned that Pete Carmichael, of all people, the guy who got a lot of flack this offseason, you know, was a rough year for the offense. Carmichael was a guy who threw the pitch to Derek Carr That hey, you know, when Drew was here, we gave Drew, you know, two or three plays that he called what he thought was the best play based on what he saw on the field. You know, he commands the line. He gets everybody set. Um, And truthfully so, since Drew Brees has left, whether it was Jameis Winston, Annie Dalton, Taysom Hill, uh, the Saints just didn't have a, a field general on the field to command the line and, you know, really get a hold of the offense. The offense had to be watered down to, you know, what it was with Breeze simply because I don't think they had the quarterback who could run it uh, to that level. And now with a guy like Derek Carr, who has done it in Oakland, or uh, Oakland and Vegas, excuse me, and um, has said openly he likes to have, you know, command on the field, uh, I think that's something that's swayed a lot for Derek Carr to have control of this offense with Pete Carmichael and – This year, so I think you know you're EBC, not quite the level of a Drew Brees offense, but certainly something much closer than what we've seen since Brees has left.
1: Al Salas with us. Um, I'm curious with the draft. Sean Payton, an offensive-minded coach, always seemed to go offensive line. Dennis Allen, defensive coach. I'm curious as to what this uh, draft looks like and is. Everybody in the league is saying that the Saints' offensive line has has really deteriorated. It was one of the worst units in 2022, but a lot of that has to do with the quarterback and the lack of some skill position players. I believe. Um, where are you? on this offensive line? Do the Saints need to draft there yet again?
5: I wouldn't necessarily say so, Jordy. I think uh, also the Saints cannot run the ball uh, <laughs> with Alva Kamara, with Mark DeGruyne. They struggled this year, mightily I think you look at just the numbers across the board and where they ranked in those key categories. Sure, you can make that assumption, but I think ultimately, you know, the Saints have a very good line. Eric McCoy, you know, went healthy. Was one of the better, better centers last year in the NFL. Uh, same with Rancic at the right tackle. Caesar Ruiz uh, improved so much this year uh, compared to the last couple years at guard. Uh, you know, Trevor Panning in limited snaps this year looks good, and we're kind of hoping that you know if he can if he can pan out pretty well, uh, then I think justify what he did last year in the draft, having those two first round picks, Calave and Penning. Uh, the Saints, to me, I think depth is the key for this team just because in the NFL with, you know, the uh, 17-game schedule now, it's so tough to stay healthy, especially for those big guys in the middle. You know, the Saints, Pete, uh, McCoy, and Reese all missed time last year uh, due to various injuries. So I think it's important to have some seniors guys who go play center, who can play guard. Uh, so I don't view offensive line as a first-round need per se. Unless the talent is just there and you can't pass it at twenty nine, then that's tremendous value. I'm not gonna argue that. But I think the depth in- is more of the issue for this team. Uh-huh. I think they have the starters in place. They have the guys. I think it's just a matter of filling in the backup roles and you know just doing your best to get everybody healthy.
1: In summation, why I, like- I always thought Carr would make a decision after we found out what Aaron Rodgers did. This came out of the blue to me. Why do you think it happened now?
5: That's a great question, Georgie. I think, Uh, you know, obviously when the Raiders did release Derek Carr, I think everybody knew it was going to be a process where Carr wanted to take time uh, and maybe get a deal done before the new league year, which starts next week. So that way the team could sign him, get an idea of what they want to build around Derek Carr, uh, add the pieces they need offensively, uh, and kind of get an idea of where they're at, you know, as far as how they want those options to go with Derek Carr. Uh, you know, obviously the Panthers and the Jets did not meet with uh, Derek Carr and the Jets. You know, as we were told, you know earlier this week, that they were the lead candidate for Derek Carr. Uh, however, the Jets obviously are very in on Aaron Rodgers or bust. It looks like. Um, and Carolina, to me, that was a team that's picking in the top ten. Maybe they're going to trade up and take a quarterback, especially a guy like Anthony Richardson, who seemed to climb up draft fourth immediately after his pro or after the combine. So. Uh, Carolina really didn't make that much sense because I think they're more of a, they want to draft a guy. Um, And, again, I I just think from the get-go, the Saints proved to be the team that they were willing to trade for Derek Carr before he was released. And, you know, you you could sit there and say, maybe Derek Carr told New Orleans, hey, don't trade for me. Let's not lose assets. Let's just, uh, you know, cut me and we'll work out a deal when I'm a free agent. But, nonetheless, it got done, and I think all along Derek Carr was the guy, and the Saints were persistent. So give credit to uh, Dennis Allen, P. Carmichael, and Mickey Loomis for really getting their guy here.
1: Is the most important question of the day: Is Al Salas a happy Saint camper today?
5: <laughs> wow. I, I think we are, Jordy. I think everything is good. I think you know the Saints now have their guy. We've been talking about it on this show for quite a bit now. How, yay! Let's see if it happens. Uh, and now it's happened. So I think this was the best case scenario for this team. Now in a weak division and kind of an open conference, this was the right move to compete right away. You you know work, you rework a deal with Michael Thomas. You keep some of your own key free agents. Um, get a D tackle, get a running back, and let's run it back. Maybe I think I think the Saints got a shot this year. I best. don't know Al, what, but they got a shot at something.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all that's all you can ask for is a shot. And without one, you got no shot. But now the Saints have one, so they got a shot. Al, you're the best. Thank you so much, my friend.
5: Always a pleasure, Jordy James. Y'all have a great
1: one. All right, you take care. We'll take a uh, time out here when we return. We'll talk more things about LSU. You know who didn't have a good combine was um, Kayshaun Booty. We'll find out. That and much, much more with Blake Ruffino. Next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: We're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, dude, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon of Lafayette, Bat Rouge, and Mandeville, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. DC's Little Capital Exxon, with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger you mouth has ever tasted by cajun chef ah share turn up the taste with cajun chef hot sauce
0: download the free game mobile app from either android or apple services so you can take the blonde bomber with you always this is the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros in southwest louisiana
1: 37 minutes after the hour, we are thrilled each and every Monday to be joined by Blake Rufino from the RU You Serious podcast. He always has, has interesting topics and always uh, vocalizes his opinion on things. Blake, thank you for the time, my friend. How was your weekend, buddy?
6: Went really well. We took my uh, son, Ben, who's three, on his first fishing trip, and he had a blast. He caught his first fish, so it was a really productive weekend.
0: To my wow. wife out
6: for her birthday, so was busy. Oh, and by the way, LSU dominated uh, baseball yeah. wise, not
1: necessarily basketball wise. But come on, how, how much credence do you give to them playing Butler, Central Connecticut State? I know you got to pitch it and catch it, and you got to still swing the bat, and they did that greatly. But man, come on, right?
6: Well, what I take from it is that you're doing exactly what you should right? like yeah. mean, yeah. you're run-rolling them,
5: you're throwing
6: yeah. and Jordy, they're throwing strikes from the mound, right? Yeah. Meaning like, so we're in a situation where you're having a lot of strikeouts, but you're like, Paul Skeens might be the best pitcher in the SEC. Joe Lander struggling, you know, so I, I, they're just doing exactly what they should be doing. Jordy, not giving up runs. Yeah. I, I just think that it, it's a big deal, you know, like, but you could say, you know, and I've said this, like the strikeout numbers worry me. I mean, they had 27 strikeouts and or, or close, or no, excuse me, 24 strikeouts in two games before they hit this weekend, but they got confidence after Texas and they've really been rolling. And you'll find out what they you got this weekend a little bit too in Sanford. You know, I saw Sanford play um, two Sundays ago against Southeastern. They can really hit the ball, Jordy, really well. So you'll be able to see from a really decent uh, mid-major uh, opponent what you do have.
1: I'm with you. Um, only three errors this season for LSU. Only three.
6: You that's, know what they had this time last year? That's pretty impressive. Well, you know they have – I think they had like 17 this time last year. Yeah. 17. I mean, three. Right. So, I mean – it, 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 and, and really, Jordy, the error is – one of the errors is Trey Morgan on the bunt against Texas where he threw it in the le- in the right field. Uh, look, I'm not uh, – what's crazy about that, though, too, Jordy, they gave him a hit on the bunt but then a throwing error. Okay, you're try it's a close game. Then right. you have Jordan Thompson. Uh, uh, he actually, he hadn't committed an error. I forget the other was. So, I mean, they haven't been, like – Oh, Brandon Bear had one because he bobbled the ball in the right field. I, again, like they're not massive errors like you've been having. Right. I, right. They're close to, which is crazy. They're going to almost double their their double play um, double plays that they had from last season already in this year, and you're, they're ten and one. They're in a, they're eleven games in. So I, I've yeah. been really impressed. They're doing what they need to do. Uh, but here's another thing too, though, Jordy. Right, like you had teams that are playing really bad opponents, right, and losing midweek games like on back-to-backs, where you mm-hmm. got Tech that almost took down Ole Miss twice and probably yeah. should have. So they win yeah. the first game, and then Tech comes back, and then because of some stupid NCAA ruling, they hit a home run, and then, you know, it starts raining, and they rain the game out. So, I mean, you've seen the number three team be on the rope against a good uh, mid-major twice twice in the past week. So I'm just excited what we're seeing. We see him again today,
1: obviously against Butler, who is not good at all. No, no, not at all. And Thatcher, look, you got a couple weeks left before you go on the road and take on Texas A&M, and that's when everything starts to really, really, really count. Um, How close do you think Jake Johnson is to his – I know he's got his Friday starter. I think he's got his Sunday starter. Saturday up for grabs, right?
6: I would think so, but, I
1: mean, he didn't give Riley
6: Cooper a long leash, did he?
1: No. At all,
6: right? And so, if you're going to throw Thatcher Hurd against Lamar on Wednesday, then what are you going to do today? I mean, or I don't even know, Jordy. if he announced that he was throwing today or what he's doing Wednesday. But regardless, I mean, that's a really short leash, a really short leash. So, you know, I, I don't know what's going on in Jay's head. I can only tell you what, you know, the times that I've talked to him one-on-one. And I was honestly surprised. But I, I agree with you, and you're right. Obviously, you have your Friday night starter for the year. That's not going to change in Paul's games. And then you have your, your starter in uh, um, uh, Chase Shore, excuse me. Chase Shores uh-huh. on Sunday. Now, Jordan, I will tell you this: I don't think Chase Shores is completely done. Right? He was highly erratic yesterday. Okay, so you get into a situation where Jordan he was a not he was an eight uh, three uh, full counts throw three ball counts that can't okay. happen. You got to throw strikes in the SEC because guys will eat you alive if you don't.
1: I'm with you. How lucky am I? My daughters just came in from school and they handed me a, uh, a Sonic crushed ice diet Coke. How, I mean, I'm the You're luckiest guy. in the world. How good is that? Un- unsolicited. Awesome. It's awesome. Uh, Blake Rafina, the, are you serious podcast? Um, okay. So we'll get through Butler tonight. That'll be a big win. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, LSU football gets another recruit. Uh, maybe not the the highest rated, but what do you know about defensive end Ahmad Bro? Uh, I like the fact that he's from Ruston High. I like keeping those kids if they're worth a grain of salt. I'd rather have the in-state kids than the out-of-state kids. What who who is Ahmad Bro?
6: Well, and you got Collage uh as well. But Jordy, I saw I saw Ahmad Bro play twice last season. And I think I can make the argument. I saw him play against Zachary, and I saw him play against Denham Springs in back-to-back weeks. And the reason I did that was they because they ate Reese Mooney, who went to Liberty. They ate him alive. They also ate um, Zachary alive and Eli Holstein. And he was a big reason for that. He's really good getting off the ball. He's got really good bend. And he does some moves that I don't think that a normal high school player would do and I think that comes from Kyle Williams, who's been up there helping him. Jordy, yeah. he, no, he has no business being a three star. It, I, he will, he will climb up the ranks. I, he's got a early, he's got a late start, I think, into some things. But what he's doing is, he's just a really good overall player. And I, I, I will be truthful. I think in the past there would have been times that we would have passed on him, and we had no business passing on him. Uh, it's a good pickup. I like Ahmad a lot, and I also like Kalaj Cobbins out of Destrehan a lot, too.
1: Tell me about him.
6: So, uh, just really tall, okay, slender, more of a slender build, about 210, 215 pounds. Does he play on the outside? Will he rush the passer? Do you bulk him up a little, maybe move him in the inside? I think he'll play outside, backer in this 3-4 type of defense. Uh, uh, Jordy, he's just an athlete, right? Okay. I mean, he's just a dude. I, I, and look, the weight will come, but you can't teach his athleticism. Okay, oh he's just mm-hmm. another one of those dudes at a dexter hand that can really, really play. Okay, LSU, yeah. and yeah. I think, I think at the end of all of this, when the kid comes to LSU and if he has a good career, we just had the NFL Combine. You'll sit here and say, "Why is this kid 245 pounds running a 4 or five? That's how athlete, how this really freakish of an athlete he is.
1: Speaking of the NFL Combine, uh, apparently Kayshon Buti did did not uh, shine very brightly in this thing. Ran a little bit slower than what he anticipated, um, and his draft stock is kind of falling a little bit. Uh, I hate to hear that.
6: No doubt, no doubt. Jordan had an assistant GM tell me uh, two things this past weekend. Okay, and don't ha- and they don't have Saints affiliations at all. They yep. told me that he didn't inter- and he didn't interview well. Okay. Yeah. He was so subpar in his interviews, very subpar so in his interviews, and that they felt like when they had their meeting because they apparently this team meets at the end of every day of the combine. And Kayshawn Brudy was brought up. They said that his forty times were literally like his career. He ran a four or five flat, which isn't a bad time, and then Jordy ran a four six seven.
0: That's yeah. abysmal.
6: That's yeah. a, that, that is, that is, and and that wasn't even their issue. The nine 10 broad jump for the explosiveness test is an issue was an issue for them. But I think the major thing that they were worried about was his vertical leap being twenty nine inches. Jordy, let me tell you something. At Southeastern's Pro Day, okay, I had a thirty three inch vert. Go ahead, right? big leaper. Do you do you do you mean to tell me that I jumped higher than K Booty?
1: Yeah, what's up with him? I, I just I, I wonder if it's his heart is in this. I, I I don't understand. I've never seen a guy fall so precipitously as he did from that one year where he was was terrific to being almost non-existent.
6: Yeah, I, I, you, so now Jordy, you've got the question. Number one, does does he really want to play football? That's number one, and right. it doesn't help him too with either true or not true the off the field and on the field issues that he's had. Jordy, he broke LSU's record in drop rate. He had the most drops in the season. Okay. And not only that, he was pouting on the sidelines Yes, against Florida indeed. state. And then he and then we got Jordy, I have film. Now it hadn't been released. But I, I there is film out there of him and Brian Kelly getting into it against Texas A and M. Okay. Yeah. Like literally. Now I don't yep. mind that, okay, I don't necessarily mind him getting into it with his head coach. We've seen Breeze get into it with Sean Payton. We've seen really good athletes get into it with their coach, okay? So I don't, like, write that off as, oh, it's such a big deal or a problem. What I have an issue with is that you're not performing and doing it. And then you have off the field issues. And yeah. so they're just, you know, a lot of LSU fans were dejected by him entertaining Alabama during NIL. And... So you've you got a situation where a guy that can be a really good athlete, but, Jordy, I feel like he ran a 4-5 flat and, and nailed it in. I really
1: See do. It. And, and, I, I, and look, I, I don't know the key from management. I just, I just know what I hear. And sometimes addition by subtraction is, is the best. And for this team moving forward, sometimes it's better to – have other players move on, if you know what I mean. So I uh, fully, have,
0: fully agree with you, fully agree. Yeah, sp-
1: spring ball starts on Thursday in the next, next yep. minute. You tell me what's the most important thing you're going to be looking for. I
6: want to go to defensive line and then offensive line. Um, I mean, that's where it's one and loss. I want to see John uh, Jansek who is the new special teams and outside linebackers coach. I want to see, you know, I, I've talked to a couple people in that building and John really has, I, I really, I think, from all intents and purposes. Now, they haven't been on the field yet, but him and Jamar Kane have a really good working relationship. And if that's okay. the case, then it's going to benefit LSU. So um, I, I want to see defensive line, Jordan. There's a lot of turnover there, okay, more than I think people realize. And then you have Mason Smith, who hasn't been back yet. So now right. you're having attrition there. The offensive line is interesting to me. They had Mason Lunsford who is a Maryland offensive tackle, or offensive guard center who was in here this past weekend. Jordy, they're constantly offering former centers in the portal. So what are you trying to tell me about Charles Turner? Right? So, not so. If, so yep. Jordy, it's not, yep. it's not as if that they offered one center. They've right. offered four. They've offered right. four centers in the portal. So it, one time, okay, maybe you think this guy can come in and play guard, be a reserve. But, Jordy, when you offer four of them, you're telling yeah. me that you think Charles Turner can't play. That's what he you're is, telling
1: me. He is Blake Rafino, The Are You Serious podcast. We're up against the clock. It's always fun, my friend. Thank you so much. I'll enjoy that Route 44 Diet Coke, Jordy. Have a My day. daughters are the greatest. Right. They're the greatest. All right, buddy. Thank you. We're back to wrap Better things matter. up with a very, very special birthday wish after this timeout.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: You want to take your lady out for a nice dinner but you're low on cash not to worry the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues as a member of our rewards club you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville how about a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037TheGame.com or 1041TheGame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today.
0: Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state <laughs> Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, 55 minutes after the hour. Time to um, wrap this bad boy up. If Monday, if March the 6th, rather, is your birthday. Well, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with um. He's the greatest ambassador to LSU. He really is. Um Shaquille O'Neal is 51 years young today. today. So happy birthday, Shaq. Um, Wish you nothing but the best, big fella. And thanks for all you've done and all you continue to do. And that that TNT uh, group is is just awesome. Just awesome. So happy birthday, Shaquille O'Neal. Special thanks to our guest today, uh, Raymond Parse III in Pensacola. Good luck to the Cajuns tonight as they try and cut down the nets at Sunbelt Conference champions. To do so, they've got to beat South Alabama. Glenn West on all things LSU. Shelby Mass with his latest bracket, Alabama's number one, but he thinks when it's all said and done, Kansas will be the number one overall seed on Selection Sunday coming up. Yes, indeed. Al Salas on the Saints as they acquired Derek Carr today. So the quarterback is no longer an issue with the Saints. There's a lot of other issues out there as well. So, And then Blake Ruffino of the Are You Serious podcast. Coming up tomorrow, we'll hopefully be talking to, to some victorious Rage Cajuns. And uh, we'll wrap up LSU's uh, baseball weekend as they play Butler tonight. We'll wrap up and uh, relive the Pelicans as they take on the Sacramento Kings. And we'll look ahead. And, of course, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us. James Mesh, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to our partners for helping us each and every day. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh next.